Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, and welcome to the Signing Day Extravaganza, brought to you on Wednesday night from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I hightailed it out of there on yesterday, made it as far as Elk City, Oklahoma, considered pushing all the way through, but I spent the night there, and then I got up and covered Signing Day. I would have been absolutely exhausted had I not done that. Probably wouldn't be able to do this show tonight, but... uh, I'm here, and uh, I'll be here for a few days, so you'll get uh, a Friday show probably Thursday night. We'll probably record the uh, Friday show Thursday night, so when you get up uh, bright and early on Friday, that'll be available for your morning commute, and then I'll drive back uh, Sunday, and uh, should have your Monday show up at some point. I will probably sleep late Monday, so if you haven't heard from me by noon, don't panic. I'm living life as a teenager. Reminder, too, I will be leaving. You'll get a Wednesday show next week. I cannot guarantee a Friday show because we're starting vacation. That's right. Your boy and the family taking a family vacation. Some complications with all that, but uh, nevertheless, uh, going somewhere. (laughs) Going somewhere. we got plans to go to the Bahamas, but uh, I'll explain more of that at another time. But the reality of it is just giving you some ideas of kind of what to expect from the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with my family. We'll have everybody under one roof for the first time, and I don't know how long. That's what happens when they get older, man. You get to be on the verge of being an empty nester. You don't always have the convenience of having the girls right down the street there at uh, Mississippi State. Back in the day, I'd have to say, listen, hey, why don't you uh, meet me for dinner somewhere so I can see them? It's funny how that is. You know, like when they were high schoolers and they got their cars... It was no big deal for them to run the town. But all of a sudden, when they were in college, it's a big deal for them to run the town back home. You'd think I'd move to to Winona or something. Not the case. Still in Starkville. But uh, happy to be out here with the wife for a few days. And, uh, and again, we'll, we'll take a trip next week. But uh, we had the Leach Memorial on, Monday, on Tuesday, as you guys are well aware. I thought it went really well. Uh, it was sad. It was. I was sad. Uh, I thought the speakers were good. I, I didn't get a chance to see them all. I did leave a little bit early, and I, I had to go back and watch it. Really thought it was well done. Really proud of the university. Really thought we'd have a little better attendance, though, to be honest with you. And the weather didn't help matters. But uh, I, I thought it was a very nice way to commemorate the life of Mike Leach. So many great speakers got up and had so many great stories to, to share. And I thought Bob Stoops was outstanding. I thought Gabe uh, Marks, outstanding. Really like what uh, Coach Stoops had to say at the end, uh, really kind of encouraging the players and the team to go out and win the bowl game. It was good. It was good. It was really good. I, dare I say great. It, it really was. But uh, it was emotional, man. It really was. It was like, for, for me, in many respects, like, Maybe it didn't feel real. It had been surreal for so long. But walking into Humphrey Coliseum and seeing so many of you and then seeing the uh, you know, the display up there, the way they had it all up there, and then there's that, that picture of Mike Leach. You know, it just, uh, I don't know, it made it more formal to me. But I'm glad we did it. I'm really glad we did it. Everybody involved with it did such a great job kind of organizing this. No price was outstanding. Neil uh, missed a uh, men's basketball game, a game that we lost. The only game we've lost this year. It was still a competitive game. We led throughout and 
fell apart late. But uh, we'll talk about that another time. But uh, again, great, great event. I think if you are a fan of Mississippi State, you should be awfully proud of that event and the efforts that went into making that possible. So again, congratulations to everybody for putting together a very special event under some difficult circumstances and certainly not a a circumstance that we enjoy. Certainly. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love them more than a friend. I probably have loved them longer than they have loved me. I love having them as a sponsor of this show, though. I like to, to work with winners, right? I mean, that's how I feel. There's so many people that come to town and they say, hey, Steve, let's go to lunch. Where would you like to go? We'll go to Bulldog Burger Company. And more times than not, people just say, hey, listen, I'm coming to town next week, buddy. Let's get lunch. I'll meet you at Bulldog Burger Company at 1. And so that's where we go eat. And I'm glad that people want to frequent that business because uh, you're always going to leave satisfied. The quality of the meal, absolutely unsurpassed. The service is excellent. One of the things that I always admire about the servers there, you can tell whoever's doing the hiring and the training there know what they're doing because they hire and train happy people. The last thing you want, right, when you go eat somewhere is to get some server that's having a bad day, you know, and it shows in their work and their effort. You just don't get that at Bulldog Burger Company. You always get great service. And so I encourage you to get out and go see them. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. It's one of the fine delicacies in life we afford ourselves. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. That'll make you better looking and everybody around you better looking. We need Mississippi to be even more beautiful than ever. So go by and check them out today. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive there in Starkville with the new patio area. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo and in the Richmond Flowood area, Lake Harbor Drive. Be sure and check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Because I'm in New Mexico, uh, dancing girls were um, kind of in short supply. Couldn't, couldn't throw it together. Usually we have the marching bands of dancing girls and, you know, a good time is had by all. But we're going to have a good time here on the show today. Good day for Mississippi State. I mean, a really good day. Now, a couple of qualifiers I want to throw out there first. There was not a lot of star power in the state this year. State still signed to half of the top 25 players in the state. Could have signed more of them if they chose to. Found some better options out of state. But this is about where we finish. Uh, and, and we're going we're to break that down a little bit more. But this is you know, kind of a typical Mississippi State class. And the fact that we're having that conversation after what we have endured the last two weeks says a lot about Zach Arnett and the Mississippi State coaches and the support staff. The fact that they can hold this thing in the road and keep this thing from falling apart says a lot about the people involved, says a lot about the recruits, says a lot about everybody involved in Mississippi State football. They are to be commended. The long loss of the recruiting class is offensive lineman Joe Crocker. Now, I'm going to speak pretty frankly about this because Mississippi State's moving on from him. Joe didn't have a good senior year. He didn't. And then when the possibility came up of him not signing in December, you basically give Mississippi State a chance to walk away. And so you got to be careful of what you do and how you say it and how you conduct yourself. Because now all of a sudden Joe Crocker, a guy who's been on fire for Mississippi State the entire year, he just said, you know, because of some changes, I'm going to sit things out. And I like Joe. I do. And uh, I do think that he will be a good college player. But uh, when you don't have great senior film – and then you kind of get a little bit cute late, especially with a new coach involved. 
you know, Zach Arnett wasn't involved with his recruitment. Now all of a sudden, you know, Zach is the shot caller. It's like, oh, you don't want to sign in December? Okay, cool. We'll go out and replace you. That's exactly what happened. I still think Mississippi State could sign another offensive lineman. We'll talk about that uh, later in the show. Let's break down kind of what we have uh, to talk about. We'll start on the offensive side of the football. Let me get over there and we can find that. It's always funny to me, too. Like, I think I've got all my stuff together, and then I don't. You know, just part of the deal. And, and of course, I actually actually did. I was looking at the wrong tab. All right, let's start offensively. All right, I think it starts, obviously, with Chris Parson. Uh, Chris is a guy, you know, that it kind of raised some eyebrows a little bit when State offered him. He was committed to Florida State. We weren't aware of any public issues with the relationship between Chris and Florida State. Once State offered, we began to dig into this thing and find out how connected he was to Starkville. His mom's family is from here. His, his grandparents are here. His dad graduated from Mississippi State. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, man, could this really happen? And you got to give Drew Hollings head a tremendous amount of credit for making this thing happen. And I'll be honest with you, I think you guys have seen the tweets. You guys have heard the stories. This class does not get put to bed today without more attrition, without Chris Parson. A tremendous leader. I said on Jake Wimberly's show today, he has some Dak Prescott leadership-type qualities. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to have the same career as Dak, because I don't know that. But I can tell you from a leadership standpoint, he's cut from the same cloth. Chris was very active with other recruits, made the comment that we're the last class that Mike Leach ever wanted to be a part of his program. You should wear that like a badge of honor. He is absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I think Chris is very special to Mississippi State fans, but I think his leadership in recent days has probably endeared him even more so to Mississippi State folks. All right, let's talk about running backs now. We've got a couple in the class. As you guys know, Jeff Pittman, I think Jeff Pittman is kind of an unheralded recruit. And I say that because he kind of snuck in kind of out of nowhere he commits. I don't think that his ranking is really commiserate with his ability. This guy's DJ Johnson. That's his running style. He is a downhill runner. And you guys know in this scheme, we elect to run the football and we can get physical at times. You need a guy like that. You can't just always have a finesse guy. Jeffrey Pittman, also a product of a Mississippi high school from Taylorsville. That's a winning program. He understands what it means to work. He went to Heinz Community College, had a good career there. Omar Connor, some other Bulldogs around him, were able to kind of give him the information about what the Bulldog experience is like. And so don't don't be surprised a year from now if you're looking back and saying, holy smokes, this Jeff Pittman kid's really good. I think he is much better than other people do. I think he's undervalued. All right, Seth Davis. You know, my concern with Seth has always been his size. But there is no denying his productivity. This kid is really, really good. His vision is outstanding. When he gets in the open field, uh, he can set guys up and make them miss and win the foot race to the end zone. What I worry about with him, and this is why I don't think he's an every down back in the SEC, and, and that's just me calling it like it is. On third down, I think maybe you go with Jeff Pippen. It's not that Seth Davis doesn't have the know-how or the want to. I just don't know if he has the girth. When it's third and 15, and you got to step up in the A-gap, 
and take on a blitzing Mike linebacker in the SEC, that's going to be a challenge for him. But that's the only real negative I can say is what does he do at his size, right? That's the thing. He's 5'7", 170, 75 pounds. But I tell you this, you let that cat get in the open field, it's a touchdown. You let him get outside in the flats, it's going to make that first guy miss, he's going to move the chains. He can be a very productive player in this offense. And again, when you go out and sign running backs that are that size, you know, you, you kind of know what you're getting. But I think he is a very good complement to Jeff Pippen. Jeff, you know, the guy that runs behind his pads. And then there's Seth, the guy that makes people miss. So, again, good compliments uh, to both. Wide receiver class, we hadn't talked about these guys in a while. We almost take it for granted. It's a good wide receiver class. The highest-rated offensive player in the class is wide receiver Creed Whittemore from F.W. Buckholz High School in Gainesville, Florida, a former Florida Gator commit. Flip, decommits, flips to Mississippi State. Rated a 90.06 by 247 Sports. The composite has him as a four-star. Kids ultra, ultra athletic. A lot of people say, well, you know, you got to go out and get a guy like this every once in a while. He's not a possession receiver. Anybody thinking that hadn't watched his film. This guy played quarterback. He is an explosive athlete. It's going to take him a year or two to kind of learn the nuances of the position, but I think being a, a former high school quarterback will help him. He's also the son of a high school coach. You know his football IQ is probably elevated. A very nice guy to talk to. A guy that's been on fire from Mississippi State. And so Creed, part of a great wide receiver class, but I, I won't be the least bit surprised you look up here in a couple of years and Creed Whittemore is making plays, and I think he could be, in many respects, the most productive receiver in his class. All right, next wide receiver in the class is Justin Brown. This guy's film for senior year is phenomenal. Not the biggest guy, not the smallest guy. He's right at six foot, 183 pounds. I can say that because I'm 6'2", 210. Yeah, I've dropped a few LBs. But Justin Brown's going to put on a few. Justin's upside is tremendous. This is a guy that understands how to elevate. This is a guy that understands how to use his radius. He has good body control. There are a lot of guys out there that are athletes playing wide receiver, and they just out-athlete people. Justin Brown's a little more polished. I think you're going to be excited with what you see with him. I think he is a guy that likely plays early at Mississippi State. I think the air raid is a good fit for him. So we'll see how he progresses. Nakai Poole, this is a wide receiver too. And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't blown away by his junior film. I do like his senior film a lot better. And again, this is a bigger guy that will probably uh, probably add 10 to 15 pounds. He's already 6'3", 205 pounds, and that's without the hair. Big, physical, ex-receiver type. Guy on the back shoulder throw, guy on the fade in the end zone. Again, I like how he has elevated his game as a senior, and I really think some of that probably is because of the fact that he had his college decision made. He could focus on simply getting better and being the best contributor for Norcross High School in Georgia he possibly could be. But again, an outside guy. I think you're going to be excited about him. And there's Jacoby Belazar. Another inside guy, he's listed at 5'11". That might be a little bit generous. But uh, he's kind of a Rufus Harvey type. I don't know who would win in a foot race, but I think probably Jacoby. Now, 
Jacoby would have to catch Rufus to do it. Rufus is one of the slipperiest wide receivers I think I've ever seen on the college level. That guy can make anybody miss. But you go out and you get two outside guys, you get two inside guys, and I think your needs are met here at wide receiver. I think you feel really good about this group. And when you look at some of the guys that we've lost, you begin to think, okay, well, how have we replaced them? Well, we really haven't yet. I think we'll do that uh, in the portal. We'll talk about that later in the show. I believe, with the exception of Chris Parson, okay, let's take quarterback out of it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
if you look at this offensive line class, not real flashy on paper. Matter of fact, Joe Crocker was at one point the highest rated offensive lineman in the class. He was replaced by Leon Bell. Leon Bell was offered last night and signs today. And what that tells me, again, and I give Mason Miller a lot of credit here. Mason Miller, every year, Mason has a plan. And Mason always seems to pull a bit of a surprise late, whether it be Cannon Boone or Jackson LaHue and now Leon Bell. There's always a plan. And that's one of the criticisms I've had of Mississippi State staffs in the past is when things change late, we weren't always able to pivot. Mason Miller has been able to do that. And that's why you continue to recruit guys. Even if you think you're, quote, full, you continue to recruit other guys. Now, you could say Joe Crocker, high school guy, this is really more about replacing Xavier Miller, who was actually an old Miss commitment, uh, signed with Auburn. I just don't think you take another high school offensive lineman at this point. I think you may go get a guy in the portal, but I don't think you go take another high school offensive lineman. I think you're probably good there. But I love the way this group is built. Leon Bell, 6'8", 300 pounds. Zay Alexander, 6'7", 315. Amari Smith, 6'7", 295. Malik Ellis, 6'5", 245. He'll have to fill out. He'll need a redshirt year. He'll have that same development path as Charles Cross. And Jaden Hobson, 6'5", 293. I like the group. There's not a center in the group. I don't think you had to get a center this year. You got a, you, know, you got Cannon Boone uh, kind of waiting in the wings out there. Uh, you know, you got – you got a couple of guys already you feel pretty good about. You, of course, Stephen Lasoya uh, will be the guy next year. But I don't think you needed a center, but you needed to go get some tackles, and we did that. That's the thing. I look at this. I see three tackles. I think Leon Bells, Alexander, Amari Smith are all tackles. Malik Ellis will be a tackle, and I think Jaden Hobson will be, will be a guard. Uh, but I, I love the fact that we have gone out and got athletic big men with a big wingspan and good feet, if you go watch this film, I think you're going to be excited about what you see. Now, the guy, to me, that I think could be the sleeper of this class is Jaden Hobson. Yes, he's going to play guard, but if you watch his film, this guy's got feet like a typewriter. Some of you have to go Google that, right? This guy's got great light feet. There are a lot of guys out there that are big and strong, but they don't know how to move their feet. Jaden Hobson already understands that. You'd expect that. I mean, he plays for Jamie Mitchell, right, a former Starville High School state championship coach. Jamie knows how to coach players. Jamie knows how to build a staff. Jamie knows how to build coach fundamentals. Jaden Hobson is an outstanding player. He's ranked at 84, which is a joke. That's fine, whatever. Uh, he was committed to Southern Miss. I think whoever ranked him just kind of put a default ranking on him. They never looked at his film again. I don't know how anybody could look at this film and not think this kid's not at least an 88. That's how good he is. And I think you're going to look back in a few years and you're going to say, that Jaden Hobson kid was great. I do think he's a guard all the way in this scheme. But I wouldn't throw any of these kids back. Now, Leon Bell is actually the highest rated kid at 6'8", 300 pounds. Not a lot of great film out there on him. He's played tackle one year. So there's going to be some development required there. But I think Leon Bell is a guy because, again, of his raw athleticism. You see that guy out there running around. You don't think he's a 300-pounder because of how well he carries the weight. But I love this offensive line class. I've been a huge Zay Alexander fan from the beginning. Zay really committed himself in the offseason to get better, to drop some LBs, 
to get more physically fit, and it shows in his senior film. He had good junior film, but you knew he needed to drop some pounds. You look at his senior film, and you're like, holy smokes. The kid's getting it. And so his trajectory is moving in the right direction. Amari Smith, I love this guy. We got we were able to get 86.7 for him, 87.6, excuse me. I think with, considering his offer sheet, which that's a factor in our industry, I don't think it should be. I don't think you're going to get an 88 or 89 for him, but I'm perfectly okay with that. Amari Smith, a great young man from a great family, didn't go to a lot of football camps this summer. You know why? He was at church camps. This is a guy who's involved with the youth ministry at his church. This guy's a proud Mississippian. Given the opportunity, he decided to go to Mississippi State. Ole Miss offered him as well. Didn't prioritize him. State did. Here he is. I like his film too, but I think he is another guy too. We don't even we haven't even scratched the surface on his potential yet. This is a guy that hadn't played a ton of high school football. But at 6'7, 295, you're gonna go get a developmental guy, get one that stacks it up like that. He was also Brookhaven High School's nominee for the high school Heisman through Wendy's. Very, very, very solid young man. And Malik Ellis, we almost forget about Malik Ellis. And to be honest with you, I don't, I don't agree with his ranking. I think I said that about all these guys. But, uh, you know, he was incredibly coveted early in the process. And Malik Ellis is one of these guys that commits early and then loses his hype a little bit. He doesn't travel, doesn't get out and get all these combines. And, but people forget about him. And so it's out of sight, out of mind. But Malik Ellis is a guy that idolizes Charles Cross, built very similarly to Charles Cross. And Charles Cross is rated a five-star, but Charles got out and went some places. And Charles also had the benefit of the Florida State bump. There are a lot of people in our industry, that's how they look at it. Now, if he's claiming all these offers and then he's going to a Blue Blood program, well, he's got to be at least a four-star. Well, then Charles Cross continued to travel and had all this, you know, all-American type stuff, and people realized how special he was. He didn't become a first-round draft pick just because he chose Mississippi State. This kid can really play. Malik Ellis, similar. I don't know that he's quite as talented at this point as Charles was, but I think that he is a guy, once he gets a little bit bigger, faster, stronger, and learns to play comfortably at a new playing weight, He's going to be an outstanding player. I think we're going to look back a few years and we're going to say, you know what, this offensive line class paved the way to some really big things. This is more in tune with what Mike Leach, Mason Miller is looking for, a big, robust, physical group of offensive linemen. The entire group, absolutely outstanding. And again, I go back to the Jaden Hobson thing. I just laugh when you watch the film. You don't see an 84. That's a default ranking. It just is. It's not a good ranking. It's lazy. But you go watch a film yourself, you're going to be impressed. This kid can really play. Big, physical kid, athletic, uses his hands well. I mean, it's just, you know, and he's not, he's not being coached, you know, by somebody's dad that just happened to volunteer. He's got a former Mississippi State offensive line coach. Mississippi State offensive line, Munn, who was his coach. You know, so he has learned some advanced techniques on the high school level. And so as a result, I think that you're going to see him develop at a much higher rate. But I wouldn't throw any of these guys back. Not a single one of them. 
would not throw a single one of them back. I, I like every one of these offensive linemen. And that's your offensive line class. And you look at this, too, you begin to think. You go out and get four wide receivers. You get five offensive linemen. You get a big-time quarterback. And you go out and you get a JUCO running back. And you get a, a, a high school 6A elite running back like Seth Davis. And people say, well, he should be a four-star considering his production. I could argue that, but I could also argue, too, I think he's somewhat limited on the college level. And I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just trying to shoot you straight, right? I'm just trying to shoot it to you straight. I think that he is a guy that um, on third and long is probably going to be on the sidelines. Just my personal opinion. Not, not, and, again, I don't want to overstate that point because Seth Davis is going to come in here and do a good job for us. I don't think there's any question. Seth Davis can come in here and play hard. This is a guy that committed early and kind of hung in there with it. His dad's an outstanding guy, too. Uh, so I feel really good about the direction of things. But uh, I like the offensive line class. There are a couple of these receivers. I'd like to see them be a little more explosive. But you can't knock production. And you got to think college coaching can get some of that out of them. Like it can kind of get them up to speed uh, with what we want to do. And so, again, that's a big part of things is this offensive class. We always ought to be able to recruit offensive skill. But one of the things that I look at, too, when you begin to look at these uh, you know, these receivers, you're, you're talking out-of-state guys. I, I think you maybe had two Power Five receivers in the state this year. One of them went to Southern Miss. other one went to Ole Miss. But you go out there and you get some guys that can play that, um, you know, Creed Whittemore from Florida right? You feel good about that. Justin Brown from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Even Seth Davis is from Katy, Texas. Nikai Poole, of course, in Norcross, Georgia, and Jacoby Belzar, originally from Baton Rouge. Because you got to go out and supplement where your in-state crop may be a little bit shallow, and that's where we are. And so rather than just kind of reach on guys, we went in other states, we worked hard, and we got guys that had multiple Power 5 offers. It's not like we're you know, going out and getting guys that just have a bunch of FCS offers. It's not the case. And I think in this offense, you're always going to be able to recruit good receivers. And occasionally, I think you can get some great ones too. But, again, I like the, I like the offensive class, but I think the strength of that offensive line class is going to be the offensive line. All right, so your defensive recruiting breakdown brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. There won't be a top ten list today. We'll resume that on Friday. Wanted to get down here and uh, kind of talk about this. But uh, Blair Chandler, always a great sponsor of the show. Visit him at CloseWithBlair.com. Get all your mortgage questions answered by a mortgage professional. A lot of people out there are just kind of throwing information around. It's not always accurate. Deal with a guy that's got 21 years of experience in the industry, back-to-back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. Coffees for closers. Blair gets more than his share. That guy can get your long clothes. That's why it's CloseWithBlair.com. You can follow him on social media for mortgage tips, kind of keep up with interest rates. Many of you have dreamed of owning owning a home at some point in your life. Maybe that dream has eluded you. I submit to you, deal with Blair Chandler. That guy can get it done for you. And if you mention to him, you heard about him on the barnyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal, which is about a $500 value. Give him a call or text today at 601 500-2344. 500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Closeofblair.com. All right, defensively, the last commitment of the day, we had three new ones today, which is always nice. Nice to get new toys at Christmas, right? 
there have been some years in the past where we just kind of went into signing day hoping to kind of hang on to what we had. But today we added three players. You know, it's again, it's always nice. It, it gives a new level of excitement. Isaac Smith, top-rated player in the class, a 93.18, number four player in the state of Mississippi, uh, ranked 162nd player nationally and 10th at his position, one of the top safety prospects in the country. His offer sheet, absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to run this down for you. You'd say, this kid's in Fulton, Mississippi. Yes, he is. And he got offers from some of the best programs in America. He took official visits to Mississippi State, Florida State, LSU, Texas A&M, and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yes, back during the summer months. But in addition to those five schools, Arkansas, Austin Peay, Duke, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Jackson State, LSU, Memphis, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Oregon, Southern Miss, Tennessee, Troy, Central Florida, USC, Virginia, West Virginia, among others. This is not a situation where State got him by default. And I've read some commentary that is just not rooted in fact. Mississippi State out-recruited everybody for this kid. I think between between June and uh, two weekends ago, I think he visited campus 10 times. As Robbie Falk says, watch the visits. Actions speak louder than words. Oh, I'm really considering your school, but I'm going elsewhere this weekend. I'm really considering your school, but I just can't make it. I can't get a ride. It's an important aspect of it. What do they do? Isaac Smith has done nothing to make anybody think he is anything less than interested in Mississippi State. It's pretty crazy. A lot of people suggested when LSU got involved, he's good at LSU. Guys, it's six hours from home. Much easier deal for him to ride down the road and his parents to be able to be plugged in and be a part of all this. Not to mention he's got some friends at Mississippi State. Isaac Smith, an NFL prospect right now. You watch his film, it looks like a grown man playing peewee football. He is out there absolutely sticking people. You've seen these videos of these uh, mascots playing peewee teams. That's what it looks like. Isaac Smith looks freakishly large compared to the average high school player. He's listed at six foot 200, has a ridiculous wingspan, and will absolutely change your old for you. You want to ease up out of bounds, you better get on out of there because he will light you up. I love this pick. I've said since the summer months he was going to be a Bulldog. I never wavered in that. Even when LSU got involved, all they did was kind of muddy things up a little bit. To In my mind, there was never much doubt. He was coming to Mississippi State. Now, we've had some interaction. It's always been very positive. Uh, Ole Miss dropped the ball here. I don't care what they do or say. Uh, he is the son of an Ole Miss legacy. You know, Ole Miss, former, he is an Ole Miss legacy, the son of a former Ole Miss player. They took him for granted, tried to circle back to him late. It didn't work out, and nor should it work out. You shouldn't be able to be that arrogant in your recruiting efforts and then get the payoff in the end. All right, second highest-rated defensive player, a guy I don't know we've really talked about this guy enough. We mentioned him on the show, a relatively late commitment for State, but it's Bryce Pollock. Now, Bryce was here back in the early stages of uh, camp with his mom. Bryce has always been a factor with Mississippi State's recruiting. Even after he committed to Pitt, Darcel McBass stayed on him in an 88.86 ranking. That might be a shade low, to be quite honest with you. I love the get. I think he is the next great Mississippi State corner. 
from the high school ranks. I love these transfer guys we got, but Bryce Pollock, I think, is going to be a dude. I think he could be a DeCamerion Richardson type. I think he's a guy that develops, works his way up to the two deep, and then in his uh, redshirt sophomore year, I think he's a starter. All right, next guy, Ty Jones, listed as a linebacker. I had him as a linebacker throughout the process. A lot of other people listed him as an athlete. I think he's a linebacker all the way. If you're if you were going to kind of design a fantasy player, like a creative player on Madden or whatever, it would look something like Ty Jones, who's already 6'1", 225 pounds. This guy, an outstanding player. Absolutely outstanding player. And again, a guy that committed early. And so people kind of forget about him. He was a four-star beginning this process. Now he's an 88.7. I don't agree. I don't understand how his ranking continues to fall when all he has done is elevate his game. And that's completely fine because we'll look back in a couple of years and be like, yep, told you. Told you so. Kid can play, man. Played run, running back in high school because, you know, that, that's where he should be. You want your best athlete to have the football. I'm a big proponent of recruiting running backs because they usually have the you know, probably the second best hands on the team. The only guy that's got better hands generally is a quarterback. But running backs can play running back. They can play linebacker. They can play receiver. They can play DB. Usually your best high school athletes are playing running back. That was the case for Ty Jones. A late commitment, not one that was really surprising, Caleb Bryant out of Vicksburg, 6'3", 250. He has three tech written all over him. He will be 290, 300 pounds in no time. You put that guy in a college weight room, he has the, the frame to really carry the weight without hurting his dexterity or athleticism. I love to get. Uh, the one thing I will say, I have seen some full game tape on him. When he, when he really commits himself, he can take over a game. But he's got to be more consistent effort-wise throughout a game. There are times he'll take some plays off. And a lot of that, too, is sometimes in high school you get by on just being more athletic. You don't always have the, the game-level intensity you, you may need. But I, I'm a Caleb Bryant fan, and, I've, again, I felt he was going to be a Bulldog all along, too. But I think Caleb is a guy, too, that you look at, you're able to pick that guy up late. I think it makes you look even better as a recruiting staff. Tobias Hinton, this is another guy. We start talking about rankings. I mean, his ranking goes down after the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. Memory serves me correct. It doesn't make any sense. The guy dominated the week, had a great game. And a lot of it, you know, if, if you wanted to rate him low last year because he was playing out of position, I would, okay, I'll maybe agree with that. He was a linebacker playing as a defensive end. Not just as a rush end, but he had his hand in the ground. And sometimes this year he did that as well, but he played more linebacker, more of a two-point stance. His film stood up. That was the concern this year going into the season. Can he acclimate to play in a two-point stance? How does he do in coverage? How does he play in space? Well, he's answered those questions. This guy is a raw, natural athlete. I love this kid's game. I wasn't sure we were going to take him when we did, and when we did, I was elated. Guy can really play. I thought we might wait and get some senior film, but it was probably smart not to do that because if you wait and all of a sudden that senior film makes the rounds, you got you never want to fight on your hands. Joseph Head, one of the first commitments in this class from Holmes County. Kid is really, really good. And you start thinking about this. You got Kamari Rogers coming in. You got Corey Ellington on the team. Holmes County Central starting to be a pipeline-type school for Mississippi State. And Joseph Head, a guy, too, that I don't know has been fully appreciated for his ability. 
This guy's legit. This guy's an elite pass rusher. He commits early, doesn't really travel. Nobody really sees him. Nobody makes the effort to go see what's really going on with him. That kid can play. He didn't give us any drama. I understand that LSU showed some interest late in him. It never really took off. Uh, Joseph and his dad, both Mississippi State fans. I don't think it was even going anywhere. But Joseph had is legit. And again, this is like I think about some of these guys that commit early. You know, if they had committed late, you would think, man, we, we, we robbed the bank here on signing day. It doesn't matter when they commit, as long as you get them. I'd much rather get them early and hang on to them, especially the Mississippi kids. Right, another late get for us, Luke Evans. Another corner, six one and a half, 165 pounds. Love his game. Love his film. I think this is a guy that can really play. You go in the state of Florida and you get a guy and you start looking at these corners, you're getting guys with size and length. There's not a squat corner in the bunch. And it kind of Darcel McBath's recruiting in his own image. The thing that Darcel McBath did when he got here is he really sold the dream of getting to the National Football League. He really made these guys believe. He said, hey, I was just like you. I'm a guy from Gainesville, Texas. You know, went to Texas Tech. Was a little bit unheralded. Fashioned my way into an NFL prospect. Spent some time in the National Football League. He is a very, very, very gregarious personality. You can see why the people like him. But look at what he did for Martin Emerson. Look at what he did for Emmanuel Forbes. Look at what he's doing for DeCamryon Richardson, who will go pro next year. Be three consecutive years, states had a corner declare early and get drafted. I have no doubt about that. And so now you're moving on to the next group. But these, you know, Bryce Pollock, uh, Evans, these guys, they're, they're all kind of built in the same mold as Darcel McBath. These are guys that have something to prove. And I remember two years ago, you know, we, we kind of got stuck with a defensive back recruiting. We, we committed some guys early and we dropped them. We weren't able to replace them with comparable or better players. We, had to, we were scurrying a little bit. Everybody's all in Darcel. He has completely flipped that room. One of the strongest personnel groups on the roster is the cornerback's room. And Darcel McBath is responsible for everybody that. And Luke Evans, it's six one and a half, 165 pounds. You get that guy in a weight room for a couple years. You get these transfers in, get them rolling. Luke Evans will be a two deeper early in his career and eventually be a starter. Kid's really, really good. Uh, Jalen Abram, I love him. I don't know that he doesn't make a transition to safety. He can play corner, but I think that he's the guy that will be will, will put on some mass. I think he could play safety. Sometimes I watch his film and I wonder if he has the hips to play safety and to change the direction. Maybe he's better playing the ball in front of him as a safety. But I think he's the guy that could play. He gives you a, kind of a flex guy. You can move him around if you need to. I love that about him. He's a Mississippi State guy through and through. Said as soon as State offered, it was over. It was it always been his dream. Kelly Jones, I don't know why somebody flipped him to a safety, which is stupid. Kelly Jones is not a safety. I continue to hear that. Kelly Jones is thinly framed. Kelly Jones is not going to pack on a bunch of weight. And if he does, it's going to hurt him. He doesn't have the frame to carry a bunch of weight. I've been doing this a long time. He's 6'4", 178 pounds, but he's built like Emmanuel Forbes. Probably not as skinny as Emmanuel, you know, but, but his length, of course, is in his arms and legs. He's not a big torso guy. He's not going to be able to pack on a ton of weight. Not to mention his change of direction. 
the kid's elite. We talked about you don't know if Jalen Abram has got the the, uh, the hips. Kelly Jones does. I think when you look at these guys, I think when you forecast down the road, what are they going to look like, you know, with 10 to 15 pounds on them? Well, Kelly Jones is going to look the same. He's just going to look a little more filled out. Jalen Abram, I think, can bulk up. He's got a different frame. He's a little more broad-shouldered. Kelly Jones is not. He's very thinly framed. He's a narrow-bodied guy. He's tall, skinny, and athletic. And I told you guys on this show, the beginning of this process, I didn't care what his offer sheet looked like. I know an SEC player when I see one. You turn his film on, and you look at how he runs. You look at his overall athleticism, and you say, you got to find a spot for this guy. Well, we did. We waited around for a while, but we did. And then I think when Ole Miss offered him, it kind of validated his talent in the eyes of many of our fans. And I don't think that's got to be the case. If Mississippi State wants these guys, it's good enough for me. When the tape matches your expectation, you got to trust the tape. Oh, well, let's wait for so-and-so to offer. Yeah, well, let's wait. we got more competition. Let's wait till we have more of a, a fight on our hands. It doesn't make any sense. Kelly, an outstanding player, Ole Miss did all they could do to flip him, even up until NAFL signing day. State still had to fight it off this morning to get Kelly Jones to sign. That's why it was later. He was still committed to State, but Ole Miss tried to make it interesting. Gabriel Moore, another one of these rankings I don't agree with. I think Gabe Moore is a guy that, that is destined to be an inside guy. He has good length. He has good height. He has good frame. Maybe a five-tech and a push. But he's already 6'4", 250. So maybe he's Jaden Crumbity. Maybe he can play the five. He's not going to be a rush end. He's going to play with his hand in the ground. I think his natural ability with that first step is phenomenal. This is a guy that can get after the quarterback. This is a guy, the typical small-town Mississippi guy that doesn't really get out and travel much. And you look back a few years and you think, how in the world did Mississippi State get him without much of a fight? He was committed to Troy, for crying out loud. Gabe Moore is an SEC player. He absolutely is. Yeah, Charles Moore, his older brother, Charles got out and went some places. Charles kind of enjoyed the recruiting process. Not so much with Gabe. And maybe Gabe learned a little bit by watching Charles. But Gabriel Moore is outstanding. I think Gabe Moore plays as an underclassman. I think Gabe Moore probably, maybe you redshirt him this year. But I think that kid plays. I'm thinking about, you know what, four games next year, goodness. Let, let him play. Let him get his feet wet. Because a year later, this guy may be challenging for a starting position. Love that guy. Eric Taylor, another one of our additions in this class today. Former All-American at a high school, signed with LSU. Uh, redshirted his first year, left in the middle of fall camp in 2021, enrolled at Southwest Mississippi Community College. And uh, had a really good year this year. This is a freakish guy. Listed at 6'4", 295. I have seen him actually listed higher than that, but taller than that. You look at his length and you begin to wonder, how do people ever block this guy? This is a guy, too, when he makes up his mind to get inside, he can split a gap. And once he does, he's got the strength and the girth to fight through into the backfield and be disruptive. If nothing else, he's a guy that can occupy blockers and open up opportunities for your Mike linebacker. I love this get. Again, I give Paul Taylor, Paul Jones some credit. Paul kind of felt this coming about two weeks ago. I wasn't quite ready to do it. 
There was some concern last weekend he might take a visit. He elected not to. Then writing pretty much is on the wall there. But we talk about, you know, losing you know, uh, Cam Young this year. You know, I, I'm not ready to say that, that uh, Eric Taylor is Cam Young, but I think in two years he could be better than Cam Young. And that's awful high praise considering the, the, uh, the return we got on our scholarship investment on Cam Young. And I give Bob Sheep a lot of credit when we signed that kid. He said, Steve, he's going to be the next great Mississippi State small-town defensive line story. And he's going to get drafted. I love that kid. And I think Eric Taylor is probably more explosive. Zach, uh, Zachary Tillman, if you've listened to this show, you know that I'm a big fan of Zachary Tillman. I always have been. I think Zachary Tillman's a guy that uh, you know ballooned up, I guess in many respects, from a safety to a linebacker. I think his ball skills as a safety are outstanding. But I think he's outgrown the position. I think that he is a guy, too, that has a little bit of that unquantifiable quality of just having the it factor. The guy is a leader. Guys gravitate to him. They play hard for him and with him. I think this guy's going to be a leader for this team. And again, he's not a guy that's highly rated. Thought Ole Miss would offer him. He didn't. He had some people around him kind of pushing Ole Miss. They never really got together. You know what? It's their loss because Zakari Tillman can absolutely play. Defensive line, I wouldn't throw any of these guys out. Defensive linebackers, I wouldn't. Secondary, none of these guys. I love this linebacker class. Finally, Keelan Crimmings from Australia, our punter. Big 6'3", 200 guy, yoked up. Not the typical punter. Paul Jones had a very comical interview with him here recently. You can read it over jeanspage.com. But I'm choosing Mississippi State. He's an older guy. He's played Australian rules football, so he understands physicality. He's not one of these soft guys. And if, if you look in the SEC, usually when you get an Australian to come be your punter, you generally do pretty well. But I love the defensive class. I, I think there are more question marks on the offensive side of the football than defensive. Because I think the offensive guys, there's, there's more of a development piece for those guys. I think everybody would probably agree. Those guys, they're a little more raw in their development. That includes the offensive line. There's a little more polish, I guess, at wide receiver. But this defensive group, I love the physicality and athleticism of every one of these guys. They're all tough guys. They're kind of in the same mold as Zach Arnett, except they're bigger. But I think every one of these guys would be guys that Zach Arnett would handpick. And in many respects, he did pick them. So that's your class for now. For now. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. We talk about them all the time because they deserve it. Not just because of the fact that they're a sponsor of the show. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than Campus Bookmark. The bully shop completely renovated. It's all upstairs now. No longer in the textbook business. It's allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merch. Be sure and go check them out next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town, I encourage you as always, support a local business. Support a Starkville business. There's not a better one than Campus Bookmark. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks, and you order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's, excuse me, 75 bucks. I did it again, I'm sorry. 75 bucks, that's a disclaimer. All orders over 75 bucks, free shipping when you use promo code BSR. My apologies 
My apologies. I'm mixing that up. You do it to say I'm an addict. What can I say? You do it that way over and over again. All right, so what is this what does this class look like today? Of course, there is still a little bit left to go. You still have a couple transfers, of course. Now, transfers don't sign a national letter of intent. They're not announced by the university until they enroll. It's important to understand that. We kind of got some clarity on that last year. They can sign their financial agreement. Some universities think that's enough. It's not in the Southeastern Conference. But the 247 Sports Composite has this class ranked 24th. 24th. 247 as a, uh, as a network has it ranked 26, but the composite is what we go by 24. So what does that mean, Steve? Well, I'll tell you. It's about what we normally do, but let's take a quick look of you know, kind of where that ranks in the SEC. And of course, you got Alabama and Georgia in the league that are kind of uh, setting a new bar and a new standard for recruiting. All right, so the Mississippi State class comes in at 10th, 10th in the SEC. All right, let's start at the bottom. 14th, Vanderbilt. Not a surprise. 13th, Ole Miss. A bit of a surprise. Now, they're going to load up in the portal, and you know my policy on this. It's difficult to judge at this point if that that theory or that approach is going to be successful. You could make the argument last year that it really wasn't. It wasn't successful. You said, but Steve... One time they were ranked in the top ten. Yes, because they had a cakewalk of a schedule. They get deeper in SEC play. They end up with the same record as Mississippi State that is predominantly a high school program that is, uh, you know, kind of places a benefit on developing players. They're 13th. But, yeah, once the transfer rankings come in, they'll move up. They got plenty of room to move up in the portal. Uh, number 12, Kentucky. Also expected to be very bullish in the portal. 11th, Missouri. And, of course, Mississippi State there at 10. Uh, State also with 25 commitments. State has more commitments than everybody behind them. So you could see some ebb and flow between now and February. Now, State's going to add some transfer guys, too. It's going to be a massive class. Probably have uh, five more guys. We'll talk about that in the final segment of the show. Number nine is Arkansas. Number nine in the SEC is Arkansas with 20 commitments. Auburn with 19 commitments. They're also going to be very, very active in the portal. Eighth in the league right now, eighth. Number seven, South Carolina with 22 commitments. Beamer doing well, doing well at South Carolina. Number six, Texas A&M. Last year they had the number one recruiting class in the country, sixth in the SEC this year. You kind of get the sense that the Jimbo Fisher thing is just not working out. Uh, what was your first close to? Well, you know, maybe the fact that they're always 8-4 and four and they have a losing record this year, right? Big part of it. Yeah, they beat LSU at the end of the year and everybody rushed the field. They flipped an Ole Miss commitment late. You know, so they had some little, little juice there. But uh, not the class I think most people anticipated. 18 commitments in the class, still some room to work with in February, and we expect them to be very active in the portal. They, they, I think they lead the nation. I know they certainly lead the SEC and NCAA transfer portal entrance. Things are not good in College Station. You didn't hear that first here. You knew, you saw it yourself. I think we're just beginning to see that wave build. Uh, five is Florida with 20 commitments. Billy Napier kind of getting a little bit of an introduction to life and times in the Southeastern Conference as a head coach. 
You know, Florida, of course, six and six this year. They got blown out in the bowl game. They go six and seven, a losing record when it's all said and done. Not good times in Gainesville. I still believe Billy Napier will turn this thing around. I think Billy Billy's system is good. I think this year with uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, I think they they may have put too much on his shoulders. And he's a very capable quarterback, but I think they asked him to do maybe more than he was ready to do. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Florida may need to get a portal quarterback. Number four in the league is Tennessee. They have 25 commitments. And if you look at these teams at the top of the, of the league, they're teams that have gone very heavy in a high school recruiting. And, again, I kind of throw that back in the whole face of Lane Kiffin. It's like, okay, we can't identify and develop players, so let's go get cast off some of the programs. But you see Tennessee, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama – you know, really, really specializing in high school recruiting. How could you kind of work against that? Well, maybe Ole Miss thinks, you know what, that's what we have to do. But I think when you look at this, at the end of the day, high school recruiting has to be the lifeblood of your program. LSU third in the league with 25 commitments. It's the one five-star this year, 18 four-stars. But generally you see a little bit better group there. Georgia second in the league. Two five-stars for them, 24 stars. And then 17 points ahead of them in the rankings, leading the nation and the Southeastern Conference is Alabama. Some people suggest this is the best recruiting class of all time. It seems like we write that article every, like, 24 months or so. Oh, it's the best ever. It's the best ever. It's the best ever. I think there are a lot of people that their evaluations are skewed by the fact, well, if Nick Saban wants them, then I should want them. It's not always the case. Alabama misses on players, too. We just don't always talk about it. So, again, stay 10th in the league right now. Uh, we'd like to move into the top half of the league. And in order for that to happen, you know, we've got to continue to recruit well out of state. But we need our in-state crop to be rather robust. That's what we need. I think we all can see you know, when you begin to think about in-state players and all that kind of stuff. They're just – it wasn't one of those years where everybody was all excited about the in-state crop. It's a good group, not a great group. I think it's important to understand that. Let's take a quick look, if we can, uh, at, the, um, at the state rankings and kind of see how things worked out when it came to uh, your top players in Mississippi. A lot to that. Zach Arnett making a comment about you'd be a fool not to, uh, to focus on Mississippi. All right, number one player in Mississippi, Get Perkins. I love him. I think he is a phenomenal player, really showed out in the state championship game, headed to Ole Miss. He will make the move to linebacker. I don't think that is going to be a very steep learning curve for him at all. That guy is an incredible athlete. And so we expect him to probably be an all-SEC caliber player. Aiden Williams is second. To be honest with you, I think he's a little bit overvalued at 95.6. I think he is a four-star guy, but I think that he is getting a little bit of a bump here. He had a good week in Mississippi-Alabama all-star practices. Everybody's always the best receiver there. I think it's partially because there's not a great crop of receivers in state this year. I don't see him on the A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Chad Bumpus, DeAndre Brown-type level. I don't think he's that kind of player. That's not to say he's not good, because you're talking about guys that were phenomenal college players and, in some cases, pro players. 
Uh, number three, Dante Dowdell ultimately sticks with Oregon. There was some discussion he was going to flip to Ole Miss. He didn't. He was the guy that wanted to commit to Mississippi State back in April. We didn't take him. That's a mistake. And now here we are in the end looking for a, a portal running back. We should have taken him in the spring. And then this would probably be a potential, you know, probably knock on the door to top 20. But he sticks with Oregon. I don't know that most people expected that to happen. The highest-rated Bulldog, the number four player in the state, is Isaac Smith. Not a big surprise there. Jamarius Brown, defensive lineman from Moss Point. A lot of people told me in the beginning he was going out of state. If he elected to stay in state, he was going to go to Ole Miss. He did. I'm a little concerned about his size and his wingspan. Now, his get-off is phenomenal. I would absolutely have taken this guy, no doubt about it. I'm not trying to discount him because he went to Ole Miss. I don't know that he's the number five player in the state, but you could certainly make that case. I think he is a guy, again, from a very physical football program in the state of Mississippi. Moss Point, historically, he's done a good job producing players, and he's going to go to Ole Miss. So three of the top five uh, head to Ole Miss. Brayson Hubbard, uh, I like Bray Hubbard. He was a guy that Mississippi State probably should have offered early on. If you do, he probably never even goes to that camp at Alabama. When he showed up at Mississippi State for top dog camp, he already had to offer from Alabama. He's going there. He will be a safety for them, and I think he'll be quite good. That guy's a really, really special player. Then there's Ty Jones. We discussed him at length. He's the number seven player in the state. Caleb Bryant is eight. Zay Alexander is nine. Then John Slaughter, who with Tennessee, is ten. I don't know that John Slaughter has gotten enough hype. I was kind of uh, on the fence about him on his junior film. His senior film was outstanding. I talked to some of the coaches after Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Week, and I'm like, hey, the Slaughter kid's really good. But now you look at the top ten, stay with four of the top ten, which uh, leads all schools. Slaughter moved up. Tobias Hinton moved down. Hinton's 11. Joseph Head is 12. Amari Smith is 13. Amari moved up after a great week of practice with Mississippi Alabama All-Star game. This is a guy that was com- completely off the shelf, unranked. I, matter of fact, I built up his profile page the day that State offered him. He didn't have a profile page up until uh, you know a few weeks ago. Now he's rated number 13 player in the state. Mac Howard, former Heritage Academy and Oxford High School quarterback, did sign with Utah. And there's Jalen Abrams. So now you look at the top 15, you know, State's doing really well here. From players 11 through 15, State gets four of those five. Alex Sanford from Oxford High School headed to uh, Arkansas. Committed to them early, never really wavered. Did camp at Mississippi State. State uh, eventually elected not to pursue him. But I like him. I don't know that he fits our scheme. I think he needs to be more of a 4-3 type scheme. He's more one of those beefier uh, middle linebacker type guys. I think that he is a guy that is a bit of a tweener, but the guy is an excellent football player. I just don't know if he can get out and run the way we need guys to do, you know, in our uh, our 3-3-5. Number 17 player in the States, Kelly Jones. This is a guy before nobody would give me any love on this kid. And now people have kind of come around in the end and said, you know what, this guy can play. He absolutely can. Javion Butler is number 17, went to Southern Miss, the first Southern Miss commitment. In my estimation, he is the second best receiver in the state. I would have taken him, to be quite honest with you. I would have taken him back in the spring. 6'5", 194 pounds. Not that I would throw any of our guys back. 
But I think, to be quite honest with you, I think as an outside guy, I would have had to think long and hard about this guy before I took Nakai Poole. And maybe we did. Maybe we did. I love Javion Butler's game. I think he is a guy that's a little bit undervalued. Kick and play. Number 19, I guess we skipped 18. No, we had two tied at 17. Jones and Butler tied at 17. And Gabe Moore is the 19th best player in the state. I think that is too low. I think he is probably a top 15 player. I like him better than uh, most of the, a handful of guys ahead of him. Malik Gallus was a guy that was very highly regarded early on. Drops all the way to 20 in the end. I think in the end, Malik Gallus will have the last laugh. A guy that I love, that I wish State would have really pushed on, we didn't, is Quindarius Jones from Meridian. He signs at Florida State, the 21st player in the state. That That's just wrong, guys. It is. It's wrong. If I'm, if I'm ranking players, maybe I need to get back to putting my own rankings back up again. I think Quindarius Jones is a top 12 player. I really do. Watching him in camp, his freakish length and athleticism and his ability to elevate, get the football. Is he a wide receiver? I don't know. Is he a safety? Probably. I love his game. I do. Former Bulldog commitment Dante Kelly drops all the way to 22nd in the state. I think that's probably about right. I'm not as high on him as some other people are. He signs with Vandy. Uh, I wish him the best. I do. He is an outstanding young man from Itabina, Mississippi. It'll be a very different experience living in Nashville. I think Dante might actually be a linebacker in a safety wrapper right now, to be quite honest with you. I don't know that he has the foot speed to play safety in the Southeastern Conference. Maybe he does, but we'll see. Uh, Duran Parrish from Biloxi signs to Vanderbilt. He claimed a Mississippi State offer. He didn't have one. Uh, Again, a good player. I don't like him as much as our receivers, though. I do think that he's a guy that can play, though. Uh, 24th in the state is Isaiah Spencer. He elected not to sign, and he will wait and see what happens in February. A Southern Miss commitment sometime. But, uh, again, a kid that can play. The foot speed's the issue. Does he have the foot speed to get over the top? I don't think so. But a guy that can play. Uh, Chris Rogers, a linebacker from Corinth. I have not watched him play. I have not watched his film, but he signs with, uh, with Troy. And then way down here, at 26 in the state is Zakari Tillman. This is one of these ones, uh, like three years from now, I'm going to come back and tell everybody, you were an idiot. This kid can play. And then finally, the last player is Malachi Braywin, who signed with uh, Memphis. I guess that's not right. we still got a few more guys to go. Malachi Braywin signed with Memphis, claimed the Texas offer early on. Uh, a little bit squatty and kind of a square body type. He played in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game, was ejected in that game because he pancaked the guy. I thought the, the penalty was ridiculous. Maybe flag him for unsportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary roughness, but to eject him I thought was a bit much. Things had gotten a little bit chippy, and Malachi just decided to, to do a football maneuver and drive a guy into the ground. Uh, Tanner Welch, a lot of Bulldog fans thought State may, may have offered him early on. We didn't. Uh, we passed on him. Six, seven and a half, three twenty. 320. So he has the measurables for what we're looking for. I just thought he was a little stiff. Thought he was a little stiff. And some guys, once they get into a college weight room and get in the squat rack or whatever, they can kind of work some of that stuff out. But uh, State elects not to go on him. But I do think that this is a guy capable of having a really good college career. Malachi Pegues from Oxford signs with Troy. And we're way down the list here. Um, and so we'll kind of move on from that. You know, we'll, we'll kind of stop there. 
and kind of see how things progress. But, um, you know, an interesting year in-state. But let's be honest, outside of the first maybe nine, eight, seven or eight, nine, ten players, you know, you could probably throw the rest of them in a bag and then probably rank them kind of how they fell. But I like what Mississippi State has done. I would have loved to have had Get Perkins. And Get Perkins at some point told Alabama, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss he was coming. I don't think there was really ever any doubt that he was going to Ole Miss. We had to cover him, you know. But uh, an outstanding player. Outstanding player. I think when you begin to you know look through this list, you got some guys. I, I, think, I think the top five guys have a real chance to play at a high level really early. Maybe the top four players, to be quite honest with you. I think all those guys have the measurables and the natural God-given ability to be big-time players on the college level. So we'll see how things go with that. But, uh, again, State doing a good job in-state. Signed more in-state players than anybody. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, signed more of the top 25 than the rest of the schools in the state combined. And just kind of thumbing through this thing right now, uh, that is absolutely correct. State dominates in-state. Ole Miss, uh, just you know, just a handful of guys when it's all said and done from in-state. And, and my honest opinion on that is, and this is not to be overly critical of Ole Miss, you know, I, I think in the end you have got to prioritize in-state recruiting. You have to. It's one of those things when you act like a national program and you're not a national program, and then all of a sudden you line up on uh, NAFL signing day and you only get a handful of guys from your home state, Miss, uh, Ole Miss with just three in-state commitments. Three. Chase some other guys, just couldn't get them. But three in-state commitments. I mean, that, that's just one of those things you look at and you begin to ask yourself that this whole marketing campaign of, you know, from the SIP, come to the SIP, transfer to the SIP, have a SIP, you know, how can you do that and then abandon Mississippi? He said, oh, we're going to cherry-pick Mississippi. But you didn't. You didn't. You got Gid Perkins, who was phenomenal. Aiden Williams, really good prospect. Jamarius Brown, you know, we'll see. You know, again, good good, good, good get off. But you couldn't get Isaac Smith. Couldn't flip Dante Dowdell. The handful of other guys they chased and just couldn't get. But uh, I I just don't think it's sustainable. I think if if you're a guy that depends on the portal, I think – when you abandon in-state recruiting, you're kind of feeding the portal too. Kids that are from Mississippi, by and large, aren't going to transfer. They're playing for an in-state school. Some guys do transfer, but by and large, many of these guys will stick with you. When times get tough, those in-state kids more likely are going to stick. And maybe I'm wrong. But again, I think we've only got a small amount of data to look at, so you can't base any conclusions on it. But again, in year one, State and Ole Miss both go eight and four, and then State goes on the road and wins at Vault Hemingway Stadium. So year one, Mississippi State. Year one, Mississippi State. And again, I go back to you know Nick Saban. If Nick Saban was going all out in the portal, I think, well, you got to go do this. If George and Kirby Smart were going all out in the portal, I don't think George has signed the transfer prospect last year. And they got a chance to go compete and defend their NAFL championship. It's crazy to think we still got football left to play, but we do. We got a bowl game coming up ourselves. But I think when you look at what the most successful programs in the country are doing, they're prioritizing high school recruitment. They're prioritizing development of players. 
They're prioritizing in-state recruiting. That's what Mississippi State's doing. Now, we've got to do a better job with out-of-state recruiting. I think we have under the Mike Leach coaching staff. We have done a better job recruiting out-of-state rather than just, oh, we lost this guy. Okay, well, let's just go get the kid from Stone County High School and hope for the best. Doesn't always work out that way. But I think the lifeblood of Mississippi State's program will always be high school recruits from the state of Mississippi. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Portico. Portico, a great place to live. I'm telling you, if you're thinking of moving to Starkville, look no further than Portico. If I was moving to Starkville, it's where I'd move. We could be neighbors. Now, I'm not the most hospitable person, to be quite honest with you. I'm rather reclusive. When when I'm home, I'm home. I think having a home that close to campus would be outstanding. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus from all things maroon. What could be better? Your friends, your neighbors could all get to know each other. You could start with a four-bedroom, four-bath home, go up all the way up, excuse me, go down to a two-bedroom, two-bath home. I said that backwards, didn't I? Forgive me. It's been a long day. But Portico is absolutely your best move. Turn off 82 on a 12 like going to campus, the very first Wrights Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, boom, there it is. There's Portico. If you're looking for a custom build, they can accommodate you there. Maybe you don't want a cookie cutter home. Maybe you got other things in mind. They can help you with that. Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And let him know you're interested. He can give you more information. They can get you going. Very, very easy people to deal with. Phase one completely sold out. Phase two under construction now. Many of those homes are already sold, but you can pick out a lot and a house plan to make your housing dreams come true. Again, make Portico your next move. All right, what's left for Mississippi State? Well, with Bull Hargrove moving on and with Dylan Johnson moving on and the fact that you've had uh, J.J. Jernigan enter the NCAA transfer portal, I think you got to go get a portal running back. You know, there was a lot of discussion about State and Cavassier smoke. That's kind of died down. We elected not to bring in portal transfer candidates last weekend. We'll do that the first weekend in January. And again, those guys don't sign a national letter of intent. They just enroll. Once they're approved for classes and they enroll, then the university will announce them. you got to get a running back. You know, Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky, who absolutely dominated against South Alabama tonight, uh, that's a prospect right there you look at. He's very close at Mason Miller. I think if Mason Miller stays, then Gunner comes. If Mason Miller doesn't stay, I don't know what happens there. We'll see. I don't know what Zach Arnett's going to do with the staff. But I think you probably could use another transfer. Maybe a tackle if you can get one. you got to give these young guys a chance uh, to develop so you could use a stopgap guy there. you got to get a portal safety. I don't think there's any question there. Potentially losing all three starters there, Jalen Green, Jackie Matthews, Colin Duncan. All three of those guys are going to be in the NFL possibly. Colin Duncan could return. He is not signed with an agent. So we'll see what happens there. But you got to go get a guy with some production. I think Isaac Smith takes one of those spots for you. I think he's good enough to play as a freshman. Could start. The guy's outstanding. But you got to go get a guy with some college-level production, which is why we didn't prioritize MJ Daniels, not to mention the fact that back-to-back years, he kind of screwed around with us a little bit. You know, 
You fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice, shame on me. And you got to get her some receivers. There is some talk. Xavier Thomas may be back. He tweeted out tonight, unfinished business. I think he's had an opportunity to speak to Zach Arnett. I don't know the context of the conversation, but there's been some discussions of late. He may come back. If he comes back, then I think you take one portal wide receiver. There's some discussion. Rara Thomas headed to Georgia. Again, nothing official until they enroll. I don't expect Rara to be back. Xavion, I think that possibility is rising. Rara doesn't. So I think you got to go out and get another guy. We'll see how things go there. So, I think you're looking at four to five more transfers. I don't think there's any more high school recruiting left. That could change. I mean, if, if a guy comes along and think, oh, well, goodness gracious, we would have taken this guy in December had we known his uh, intentions. So, you, you're going to have probably a 29 to 30 guy class. Of course, Kamari Rogers and uh, Radar Jones are already in the mix. They've already announced their uh, their decision to go to Mississippi State. So I think you feel good about where you are today and what that does for your program long term. I think what you have to do now is go out and get some plug-and-play guys that make you a better program next year. You know what that schedule looks like. Should be a really good year for Mississippi State. In order for it to be a, a great year for State, it's going to depend on what we do here in the next few weeks in the NCAA transfer portal. And, of course, State – uh, has the luxury of time here a little bit just because of the fact that you can add guys up until the drop add date and even there is some wiggle room there and, you know Jalen Green got in two years ago you know a day or two after the, the drop add date you know, so we'll see how things progress there but um, we do expect that first weekend in January to be very very busy February 1st of course that's also the uh, the next signing date but by that time you know who your portal prospects could be you know, Kyle Ferry tweeted out tonight that he's going to sign with State in, in uh, February. I don't know if that's accurate or not. He was a preferred walk-on. It's generally what you do. But, and you'd like to scholarship a college kicker as well. Uh, we had varying degrees of success this year with Massimo Biscardi and Ben Rabin. Not what we expected, though. We expected them to both be much more consistent. We had some issues this year, especially with extra points. But you'd like to go out and get a college kicker. You would. You wouldn't have – You wouldn't. hopefully you wouldn't depend on a freshman. And that's not that I don't think Kyle Ferry's going to be outstanding. I do. I think he'll be a kicker here probably three years. But next year, I think you need a transfer kicker. So I think when you add all that together, you could end up around 30 guys, which probably means you have to have some more guys go in the portal. And when they do, don't panic. We've already discussed this and kind of framed it up for you and show that State's doing better than most of the teams in the Southeastern Conference when it comes to transfer portal prospects. But there will be some guys getting the portal, and they need to. You'd rather a guy get out of here and get somewhere he can play than be a guy that hits a portal that uh, we're counting on. There are some guys down the depth chart that probably need to get out of here to make room for somebody else, but also to afford themselves the opportunity to play college football. That's important to understand, too. You only get a short time in life to play. You don't want to spend it on the bench the reality of life and the truth of the matter is we shouldn't be satisfied with a player that's only satisfied to be a bench warmer i just want to be on the team and get my education paid for well who wouldn't want that arrangement there are a lot of students today that love to be out there and just go to practice and sit on the sidelines every day wear that official issue gear they're not contributing a real competitor wants to contribute 
and we need guys that are going to contribute. We have dead weight on the roster. We got to trim it. It's not a personal thing. And every time somebody leaves, like somebody released that thing about that walk-on quarterback that never even took any reps, we're like, oh my gosh, why are they leaving? You didn't even know his name until we transferred. What are we freaking out about? Relax. Listen, Christmas is here, so it's too late. But listen, buy yourself a gift. Go to dogpilethebook.com. You get all my sports books there. Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, Stark Villains. Bloomsville Leander, available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksandMegan.com. And get yourself a Stark Villains hoodie. You'd be glad you did. More than happy you did. I've been asked extensively, too, about the, the Mike Leach state black sweatshirt. Campus Bookmart has that. Be sure and go check that out. You'll be glad you did. Guys, I'm tired. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a long day. It's been a long 10 days. You know, we had, uh, you know, the situation that Sunday. We found out Mike Leach is sick, and then Mike ultimately passes away uh, late Monday night. They announced it Tuesday morning. We deal with the fallout of that. Then then, uh, Zach Arnett is uh, promoted. I have read the transcript of Zach's uh, press conference today. I thought he was outstanding. Zach just has the it factor. Still working through the AD search. I understand those interviews will resume after Christmas. And we'll make a decision. And again, now there's no longer the emergent need to go hire a, hire a football coach. You know, So you have the luxury of time there. Then we had the memorial yesterday. Of course, we had visitors over the weekend. I mean, it's been nonstop now for about 10 days. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm glad the Christmas break is here. I didn't plan to be back in New Mexico this week this early. But the thought of uh, my wife spending Christmas alone was just too much for me to bear. So here I am. And uh, my kids are going to be in Florida, and we will rendezvous with them next week. I'm excited to be with my family, and I hope that you have the opportunity to be with your family. Again, we'll, we'll do a show Thursday night, so that'll air Christmas Eve. Many of you may be on the road to grandmother's house or out doing some shopping or whatever. If you don't listen, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. But we'll have a good show on Friday, and I'll be here. And uh, my wife works tonight and tomorrow night, but she doesn't work Friday night or Saturday night, so we're going to have some fun. Friday night, we may go out and do something. Saturday, we'll probably just hang around here and watch Netflix and just be a couple. Uh, but I have been I – I went back and listened to um, the Monday show on my drive today. Uh, it was like six hours from uh, Elk City to Albuquerque. I listened to that Boneyard show that – was, is the most listened to show in the history of the show. And uh, I'm reminded too, when I go back and listen to that too, because I, I was in my feelings, I really was. It was a very difficult situation. But I'm reminded of the fact, especially this time of year, you need to make time for your family. You do. And I, I, had, to, I had to cancel some family events to be here in New Mexico, but this matters most to me. It just does. You know, being with my wife this weekend is more important to me than being at a Christmas party or, uh, or getting together for dinner with other people. And not that that stuff's not important, but I think one of the things, and probably I think Mike Leach's passing has really driven home to me and maybe perhaps to many of you, is we had to focus on what matters most. And not just what matters most, but who matters most. And sometimes that gets out of kilter. It does. You know, many of us are competitive and we look, we, a lot of times we're competing against ourselves. We don't take time to be with the people that we need to be with the most. And so I'm here. 
in New Mexico. I have spent more time in New Mexico in the last uh, two months than I have at any point in my life. And I'll be honest with you, once uh, I'm able to take my beautiful Magnolia Bloom and plant her back in Mississippi, I don't plan to come back. It's nothing against the folks out here, but it's just too long a drive for not a lot that's real special, to be quite honest with you. I'm sure the people that love here love it. They live here, they love it. But I don't. But for now, my wife lives here and, and uh, just, you know, finished out a contract. But uh, I love her, so, you know, I would move out here and stay the whole time if I had to. But I think it's important to understand this time of year, there are a lot of people that are struggling. There are a lot of people that don't have the opportunity to be with the family and the people they love the most. And so I'm going to encourage you to do something. I'll give you a little homework assignment here. At some point over the course of the next week, between now and New Year's, let's call up an old friend we hadn't talked to in forever and catch up with them. And I don't mean Facebook messaging. I mean an actual phone call. And let them know you care about them. And I guarantee you that most of the people in the sound of my voice today, you have a relative that maybe you're estranged from for one reason or another. Maybe it's their choice. Maybe it's your choice. But maybe you text them or you call them somewhere around Christmas, somewhere around New Year's and say, listen, things don't have to be this way. I'm a big proponent of forgiveness, man. I've asked for it more times than I can count in my life. I have. I hadn't always lived the best life. Even as a sober person, I still make mistakes. My priorities get messed up at times. But there are a lot of people out there in my life that I love. And sometimes I neglect to tell them. Not my wife and kids. My wife, my wife will probably, I, I joked with her earlier, I said... I don't think I've told you I love you enough in your life. And she said, oh, really? I said, no. I said, because if that's all I ever told you, it wouldn't be enough. But there are other people in my life that I love that I don't always make time for. It's tough to make time for everybody. It just is. You know, but a text during the holidays, it just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I know we can't be together, but I'm thinking about you. And listen, I want you to know I want to have a better relationship with you. I, you know, I had a cousin here a few years ago that you know just started messaging me on Facebook and he goes, I want us to be close. And I said, I, I, do, I do too. And then unfortunately, it never really went anywhere. And so my plan is, I'm going to text him or I'm going to call him here in the next few days and say, I just want to check in with you and see how you're doing. Uh, this is the relationship that you wanted. And you can't be everything for everybody. I get it. You know, I drive myself crazy with all of that. And there are so many people out there that have so many expectations of me. And I'm sure it's the same for you. And you begin to ask yourself, how can I, I can't be everything to everybody. Well, how do I handle all this? You know, sometimes I got to take a break from all these messages on social media. And there are some people, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe they just, maybe they're lonely. And I'm not trying to be negative or disrespectful to anybody. But there'll be things that I'll cover on the show. There'll be things that I write about. There'll be things that I tweet about. And then they'll message me. The same stuff that I've already talked about. And they listen to the show. They follow me on all forms of social media. And I think sometimes these people are lonely. And I'm not being critical of them. But it reminds me that, that there are people out there that may not have anybody else to talk to. You know, there are times that I, I feel like I'm friend poor too. And I tell you what's the trip. When I got on the road Tuesday, I got maybe a dozen texts from some of you. 
you know, people that have my number, which sometimes I think about changing because too many people have it. But uh, it's like, hey, man, safe travels, man. I know how important this trip is to you. Heard you talk about this on the show. And the truth of the matter is, is that um, last week was so difficult. And then having to navigate through that labyrinth of emotions without my significant other was tough. And so I needed to come out here and heal. And I saw her today and I couldn't stop hugging her. You know, I just, I couldn't. There's nothing that replaces that. There's nothing, nothing. There's no amount of money. There's no accomplishment. There's no bestseller list. There's none of that that matters more than being able to be vulnerable to the person you love the most. And so many of you have that. Some of you don't. And my, my hope and prayer for you is that you have that person at some point in your life. It makes a difference. It really does. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm not an easy person to live with. I, I, know, I know this. I'm reminded of it regularly. I'm not. Not the best housekeeper. I can promise you that uh, my and Ian's standard of living is much different than my wife's, right? And so there are things when she's gone that doesn't always get done the way she gets them done. And we're okay with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not calling her saying, I wish you were here to take care of all this stuff. You know, now I'm doing it all, right? But the reality of it is, is that nothing replaces having somebody in your life you can tell anything to and not be judged, but also to be held accountable. One of the things that I have learned here in recent years, and maybe if you don't hear anything else I say today, maybe you'll hear this. I hope your good friends are good people. You understand what I'm saying? I hope your good friends are good people. Because you may be good friends with people that are really just kind of co-conspirators in your own demise. I'm very fortunate that I have some friends that will hold me accountable. You know, my best friend in the world my entire life is a guy named Ernie Turner. Uh, lives in Madison. Maybe you know Ernie. But I know when I call Ernie and if I tell him that I'm involved in something or I'm doing something or there's something going on in my life, after he hears me out, he holds me accountable. He's like, Steve, I know how you can be. What's your part in this? And maybe that's the reason I called him in the first place. Right? And so, again, I hope your good friends are good people. There are a lot of people out there that are not really your friends. They're just in your life. You know, I got a friend of mine that, uh, you know, one of his best friends, most miserable person I've ever known. And misery loves company. And so there are some people that are just kind of psychic vampires in your life. They just want you to be like them. They, you know, it's like, hey, well, I see you. And I'm divorced and I'm miserable and I don't have a relationship with my kids and I'm doing this and doing that and I'm happy. No, you're not. Who are you kidding? And so they want you to be like them so they're less miserable. And I'm not saying you can't be a friend, but sometimes you got acquaintances masquerading as friends. You don't have to be friend poor. Yeah, there are a lot of relationships I've had in my lifetime, many of them friendships that are very one-sided. You know, it's like somebody just kind of attaches himself to you and just sucks the life out of you. It's just the reality of life. And you, and you love them, and you want what's best for them, so you don't want to cut them off, but sometimes you've got to limit your interaction with them. So again, my hope for you is that your good friends are good people. And if they're not good people... Maybe you need to evaluate, you know, your friendship. And sometimes you got to have that discussion, right? I always joke, man. It's like my wife has a new BFF like once or twice a year. You know, I've been friends with the same dudes my whole life. 
you know, I got some friends back home. I've joked about it with you guys before. I got friends in Starkville to help me move. I got friends in Columbia to help me move a body. You know, it's just, I know that anytime I can call them, if I got problems in life, man, and I got, and they know they can call me. I got some friends right now, man, if they called me at three in the morning, I'd get out of bed. Because I've had my back. And sometimes having your back doesn't mean agreeing with everything you do. Because I've made a bunch of mistakes. I remember I got a fr- friend of mine, he said, do you want me to talk you into it or out of it? I said, I don't know. He goes, let me, let me talk you out of it then. Because you're not sure you want to do this. So we'll part with that. Make sure your good friends are good people. That's it for today, man. It's been a long day. I'm really tired. I'm going to go get some rest. I have no idea what time I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm not going to set a clock. But I'm going to have a chance to go meet with a great Bulldog fan out here in Albuquerque. We're going to have lunch tomorrow. I never met the guy before. He hit me up and says, hey, man, I heard you've been in ABQ. Next time you're in town, if you got time, let's get together. Well, my wife's working tonight. She'll be sleeping during the day. So I'm going to go make a new friend. And hopefully, he's a good person, right? Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.